All right, guys, welcome back to the Business Shift podcast. Today, we're bringing on Sky Stack, nicknamed the king of high-ticket branding. Um, he is an entrepreneur, branding expert, and agency owner from learning Photoshop at age eight to building multiple business and captivating uh, seven to nine-figure brands. Sky helps coaches, experts, and offer owners develop strong brands, energize their company culture, and build media empires. I cannot wait to bring him on because this is perfect for where you guys are at are now as you're looking to build your business. Branding is so key in this whole thing. So I cannot wait to bring him on. Let's go ahead and cue that intro and then we'll get started. Welcome to The Business Shift, the podcast for online entrepreneurs who are focused on making the shift to business owners. We talk about what it takes to build and grow a thriving digital empire and the transition required as you grow. This is a shift I chose to make in my own business, your client success, and one you'll want to consider making as you grow from solopreneur to business owner. Please share and enjoy. Welcome to the show, Sky. Good to see you. Hey, Elena. Thank you. Thank you. Very good to be here today. Yes, I cannot wait to dive into all things branding um, and really talk about the role that it plays in scaling your business. But one thing I want to just jump into first is you talk about helping people really grow their digital empire, right? And they're using that branding to create a movement. Um, and so I would love to talk a little bit about that and what led you to wanting to help people with that. Yeah, for sure. So this kind of came out of a little bit of my journey. So just to backtrack a little bit, I uh, taught myself Photoshop when I was really young. Uh, I was eight yeah, years like old. Eight years old right? <laughs> yeah, like eight years old, right? Got obsessed with it, found out I had a knack for it. I started, uh, I just started using it wherever I went. So when I started writing skateboards and BMX, I started making stickers when I was 12. But eventually that led me down to being a musician, actually, because being a DJ, it's not really much different. Photoshop, you can actually take those skills and put them into a music creation software and they're pretty much the same. That's uh, so cool. And, and I had this dream of like becoming this, this big DJ and making my own songs. Uh, yeah. But then life kind of had other plans for me. And I realized uh, right after I got out of high school that I was actually going to be a dad. And so mm. all of those dreams of being a DJ, of touring the world, of being like the next David Guetta or, you know, whoever, <laughs> like those were like, okay, I either have to give up my ability to say that I'm going to be a uh, integrous, upright father or like I have to figure out a different way to use my talents and use my skills. And so wow. that's when I started thinking about how could I actually create a brand inside of the music industry? Because it's what I had yeah. spent years up until that point. I mean, I really dove deep when I was like 14. So four or five years of momentum of every day after school, staying up to two in the morning, skipping, studying for tests, like that kind of a thing to, <laughs> to build this, this DJ career. I love that. And I was like, what, what can I do? Uh, and so I was like, all right, let me start working with musicians on how they can actually do this. Uh, and what's funny enough is I created this blog for my company. It's no longer out there. I wish it was. Um, but I created this blog for my EDM company. And it wasn't until I ran an event company a few years later, I actually booked a DJ who come to found out I was reading all of my stuff and using it actually in his career. That is <laughs> Believe amazing. It or not. And Look I was like, that. oh, like, like people are actually like paying attention to this because I knew that yeah. we had some momentum inside of the EDM space. And there's still a lot of people kind of connected to that and that era um, yes. for a good chunk of like West Coast DJs was a huge era for them. And so that to be said, um, coming into how to build culture 
there was uh, there was a moment where I realized that just as much as you can build a culture internally with a company, you can also build a corner or culture rather externally with your target audience. You know, mm. whether that be just your followers or your subscribers, whether that be your clients, your email list, your prospects, whatever that vocabulary is like for you. Culture is both an internal and an external thing. And the more that you can actually get alignment between those, the easier it is to do things like customer acquisition, customer retention, mm. because you have that through line. You have something that connects front to back so yeah. that your team, yourself, your prospects, your clients, your results, all of those are tied together in a similar way. And you can then actually use that culture to precede you in the marketplace to get people bought into why you think the way you think, how you actually run things. And so it just lubricates the entire system to make it all easier. So I know that's a long-winded answer to, to get there, but I hope the context was useful. Uh, yeah. And so just in doing that, of being able to translate that same kind of mentality of how do we own the culture, no matter if it's in financial services and banking, no matter right. if it's in med spa, no matter if it's in uh, home construction, whatever these different industries that you can step into, there's always that opportunity to own the culture, um, yes. which is the marketing play that I don't think anyone really is doing, or at least needs to be done more, if that makes sense. It's I think it's something where people kind of move forward and uh, kind of go past that culture and try and do all of the things that are impacted by culture. So they go, okay, yeah. I need all of my marketing. I need all my posts. I need to, you know, find my ideal avatar, but they, they haven't even thought about what they want their culture to be like. And so they're Absolutely. trying to do all this stuff and they're like, well, it's not working. The messaging's not coming across. Oh, I wonder why you haven't spent any time actually, like, <laughs> looking at this. For sure. For sure. Yeah. The insights always kind of drive everything else. And if you don't have those insights, I mean, you're just lost. Yeah. I mean, how you could have all of the best tactics and the hacks and the tips and the landing pages and the website and the marketing and the yeah. ads and all of that. But if you don't actually know where you want to go or like what you want to build, then it's pretty much useless. And so, yeah, I definitely, yeah. definitely agree with you there. Yeah. So with culture, what are some of those like foundational pillars that make up a culture and yeah. how can you start to implement that into the front side with your clients, but then also look to implement it into, you know, the internal side of things. Cause you may not have a team, but I'm assuming you probably think it's important to get this set up, whether you have a team sure. or not. For sure. We do have a team. Uh, we do have a team. And so this is yeah. something that I'm uh, a very big believer on is how do we lead culture? And so really like the way that I think about it is like is um, three things. The first thing is what does our world look like that the outside world doesn't? Mm. And I think a really good example, if you want to look at marketing of how this actually is done, is you look at Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. If you look at anything Lamborghini does, they could do anything from launch a new car to create a Lego set or to drop a keychain. And if Lamborghini is talking about dropping a keychain, they will tell you, how this is the most high quality, it's titanium CNC milled, it was handcrafted for over two and a half years because that mm. is their world. It could yeah. just be another crappy keychain, right? But in their world, everything is precision, everything is handmade, everything is different, right? Yeah. So when people, especially inside of a service-based business or even outside of a service-based business, they're less and less buying your service or your products for the end result that it solves because there's the markets are so commoditized that 
there are a million people who are selling t-shirts, who are selling right. lash services, who are doing nails, who are doing coaching, right? There's a million of them. So it's actually going to be like, what kind of culture, what kind of world do people want to step into mm. where getting my lashes done by so-and-so this feels like I'm stepping into uh, an old school, let's say uh, a 1950s movie, right? I feel like Audrey Hepburn getting my lashes done here because mm. that is how this world is. It is breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it's on the grind hustle. This is a gal who's going out and she's doing her lash studio and she's a boss babe. And I want to support that. Like there's different narratives that are being told. And so there's power in being able to actually own that as that first step and say like, what does my world look different from the world around me? Because we all in some sense create and attach ourselves to different realities yeah. and different perspectives and worldviews. So really crafting that and putting that at the forefront of your marketing is the difference between like in a consumer sense of what creates something like a chubbies or a bird dog or um, a liquid death versus, you know, the millions of other bottled water companies or millions of other apparel brands. Uh, it just, it creates that separation. Um, right. The second thing that it's kind of tied in that is like, what are the values and standards that we have? Um, and so there's like, we kind of look at it as a multidimensional thing, but in Do order you to support, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm curious, it. do you set the values based off of your own personal values? Like if you're the owner of the company, do you build them around your personal values or do you create a separate set of values and standards for the business, like treating it almost as its own entity? Yeah, for sure. So the only time that we would not do it based off of the founder is if there needs to be an alter ego in play. That's kind of the one thing, because as a founder, your business is an expression of you. Mm -hmm. It is a creation of you. And I would bet, Elena, if you went back and you look through kind of your business career and like your uh, journey through it of how each business you started, whether this be your first business or your 10th business, each of them was a reflection of you at that point of time. Yeah. yeah. And so being able to look at yourself, the, the one thing that, like, like I said, where we would go differently with this is like, is there something that, is inside of you that you want to bring to the surface that might be not 100% there yet. Maybe you want to become someone who's more disciplined. And if that needs to become a company value, um, then that's actually a way that we can cement that more into your character because we can actually create some external reinforcement that goes cool. towards being disciplined. And so this is actually a hack too for a lot of people are looking for culture fit. They're looking for 100% culture fit or else they won't hire. Yeah. The reality is you're only going to get on a good day, 80% of what you're looking for, no matter what the role is, no matter what the candidate is, mm. human beings will, aren't job descriptions. They're not perfect employees. They never will. Not even yeah. AI, which is a literal robot will perfectly <laughs> understand you and perfectly do what right. you want it to do. Uh, so that to be said, um, being able to, to have these character, these like traits or values that are in play can also be useful. What is not useful, though, is what most people do, which is one of two things. Number one, they brand to the industry or they create their values around the industry. So they see everyone else, let's say for handymen, uh, you know, they're reliable, they're fast, they're speedy. Those things could all be good, right? But those things could also all just be expectations of what's actually inside of your industry. Um, and so the, the surest way to lose at your own game is to play somebody else's. Yeah. And so like creating your values around another company is just like a no-go. The second thing is creating the values on what you think the customers actually expect. Because when you're doing that, you're also playing off of somebody else's customer book. 
If yeah. you're expecting your customers, because your customers, as long as you are honest and transparent and congruent in how you market and how you present yourself, your customers are all going to be little reflections of you. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you. And I've seen this. I've seen this in yeah. businesses that I work with. You're like, whoa, they're really like the business owner. Yep, they are, especially like services-based businesses. Uh, I can't tell you. It usually is a few weeks into working with a new client. I'll find out they're a DJ. Didn't even know it. Haven't even talked to them about it. Didn't even like come across. I'm like, but yeah, I did a DJ set over the weekend. I'm like, hmm, you don't say. And so like, so to, to brand yourself or to create values and culture pillars around anything but yourself is also being incongruent in that way, because you're going to have a mismatch between the clients you're actually bringing in versus how you are thinking about it, right? And how you are holding yourself to a standard of bringing in clients, which is just going to cause dissonance in you and your acquisition system. If you have an acquisition team underneath you, like uh, appointment setters or sales or, uh, you know, even like a receptionist, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be terrible. So that's right. to say, always looking internally and then bringing external, um, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's very clear. So how would somebody even begin to start on this process? Because this audience is people who are just kind of, it's me, myself, and I, they're wearing sure. all of the hats, right? Some may not even think that it's important to start on this, but I see a lot of people get hung up on this whole idea of branding one, because they think it's a lot about the logo and the colors and it takes people forever to do that because they try and do For that sure. first before thinking about what do I actually want this company to portray and mean and the values mm -hmm. and expectations. So how do they start to kind of crack this, this whole process of really laying the foundation right for their business and creating a culture and a brand that people can relate to and want to be a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's so good that you mentioned that the first piece of this often just comes from what are you angry about inside of your industry? Mm. When you look at yourself versus all the other people, what is it that are common complaints that your customers have? So for instance, like we spent a lot of time when I first started my agency inside of like the Botox medical world yeah. and inside of one of those businesses, they were always getting like fixed jobs from someone who gave someone a bad pair of lips and they have to go to this other place now to get it fixed. So what yeah. is it that the other injector or the other, you know, med spa plastic surgeon did wrong with that person's lips that yeah. you don't have that process? So one example, like for us is you can see kind of my branding up above me. Yeah. Uh, we're old school because so many branding people are flashy. You know, they're like, look at me at my new suit and I rented this Lamborghini and I bought a blue check for 15 K like you know, yeah. all this stuff. And it's like, we're none of that because we're old school, we're grounded, we're wanting to like actually make make work happen. And so this is where like looking at your peers actually isn't a bad thing, not for like, how do I copy what they're doing, especially how do I copy what's successful? Yeah. Uh, copying anyone's success is never going to be something that actually leads you to your own. But what yeah. you can say is like, what is something that we do that is different from the rest? What is something that if only more people like me in my business had this perspective, had this attitude, mm -hmm. had this standard, would my customers not have so many breakups in their history, if that makes sense. They wouldn't have mm -hmm. PTSD from working with the last branding agency, working with the last Botox doctor, working with the last fill in the blank, because this would have been taken care of. So that's often the first place of being able to, uh, to see like what that is. And then the second thing is just going to be coming from actually talk to your clients. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you enjoy about working with us? 
like what is kind of different with us if you worked with other people in the past like what's different uh, and being able to to have those conversations can sometimes bring those things that are a little bit under the surface to light that then you can put together a list of like three to six of them max that could actually be your core company values and then makes it really easy actually just to think about those things whether it be like trustworthiness groundedness commitment discipline you can actually start putting those ideas together and actually create some font choices or some color choices that reflect those things versus yeah. trying to figure out what's the logo what's all that before you even have some of those emotions or some of those values in your brand locked in yes okay so i have a question for you because you mentioned for asking sure. your clients and i've worked with a couple of businesses where they ask their clients and their clients respond well you guys are nice and helpful and just very general things yeah. that you're like, this really doesn't separate me from anybody else. Like, yes, of course I want to be helpful. Of course I want to sure. be nice. How would you take that then and, and translate it into a powerful brand that stands out from the others instead of just being, oh yeah, we're nice. We yeah. help people. We get people results. <laughs> there is no matter where you go, everyone is nice. Everyone is the most educated. They all have yeah. the best team. They all have the best service. They all have that. So right. another another thing that could be interesting, and this is something we did a lot in MedSpa world, um, which is just come up with like go around to people who would be your competition yeah. and see any selling points that they have on the marketing materials or website and then cross out that from your own. This is actually my fiance who I started my agency with uh, since got to retire her. Uh, she's at home now, which is uh, one of my That's big accomplishments amazing. in my career. Yeah. But she spent a long time as a consultant and a sales trainer and a national rep. Um, yeah. for these companies. And this was her thing of like, hey, if there's anything that somebody else could reasonably say, like mm -hmm. they are fast, they are nice, they are this, that cannot be something that is a basis of your marketing. And once mm -hmm. you kind of take away the lazy answers, or you can even push your clients a little bit of like, yeah, I get it. Like we are nice. Like we kind of expect everyone to be nice. Like we want to, <laughs> you know, be a jerk to you and expect you to be in business. So like, right. Is there anything that we do that's like different? Uh, yeah. And being able to to get that too, the quality of the question can as well. So uh, asking, you know, what do you like about us versus, you know, what are two or three things that have been really useful for you mm -hmm. in working with us? What are two yeah. or three things that you really appreciated with us that you don't get a lot from other businesses or other people right. you hire or things you buy, et cetera? Being able to to frame it more that way. I uh, mm -hmm. can also get more insightful answers versus just like, yeah, you guys are nice. You're great. You reply on time. You're not too late on things like awesome. Right. You know? <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. So how do you take, once you've kind of developed your culture and you've decided, okay, these are going to be the, the values of the business, the expectations that mm -hmm. we have, how do you actually translate that into actions that people take within the business? So if you have a team, how do you help your team embrace those values and go, okay, how can you actually take these and live them in your daily life? For sure. So first comes with living it yourself as an operator. Yeah. That's a hundred percent it. And that's actually about 90% it. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot of, projection yeah. that owners can get because they're making a financial investment inside of their team that they think because I am paying X amount for this person, therefore they should be meeting my expectations. What they're mm -hmm. not actually looking for in that is to remove the emotionality of, yeah. you know, making that investment of, mm -hmm. you know, paying out that money and instead thinking, how am I making it easy for my team to follow suit? Whether that be yeah. in SOPs and setting someone up for success in a role, whether that yeah. be for culture, whether that be for anything, 
at the end of the day, it all comes from top down, right? Yeah. When, when the country is going in a wrong direction, we look more towards the president than we look towards anyone else, no matter if it's right. the U.S. or anywhere else. Um, it's, it's just how it is. And so yeah. when you're looking, I, for someone who's looking for like, how do I enforce this? What yeah. I would usually see is a, there is some level of disconnect between how the owner operator is actually living those values. You know, are you encouraging hard work, but because you're the owner, are you dipping out at 10 AM because you're going to go to an appointment and you yeah. know, come back? Cause, Oh, I'm the owner. I'm going to take a long lunch. You know, I, I work so hard to have staff here. And th there's a point where like, yes, you can earn, you know, perks if we want to tell it, you know, you can yeah. have that inside your business, but especially if you have new hires, especially if you're just onboarding, um, you're going to want to be showing them how to show up as someone inside of your company. And that's right. huge. Um, yeah. That's huge. Instead of viewing hiring your first employee as a way to exit yourself or to absolve responsibilities and like laptop lifestyle, yeah. instead of how can I do this to further cement the mission of what we're doing? Right. Further cement how cool it is that we're doing. You know, can you believe that we're so lucky to be doing this? And now yeah. you have you have a compatriot in that, and you can keep moving forward. And so this is where entrepreneurs really have to be visionary. Yeah. Where they have to be uh, committed to that vision and yeah. see things differently. Again, how is your world different? And then show them that world. Um, so right. I know I know that's not maybe necessarily the the one two three steps and on. <laughs> You know, on your one-on-one -on -one reviews and your <laughs> annual checks, make sure you ask these three questions um, because it's a lot of those things can go by the wayside and could be so much more informal and so much more tailored to actually you, your management style, your checking, your coaching, all the things that you do when you actually have exemplary leadership in place. No, I appreciate that you bring that up because I know that a lot of people would look at it and go, okay, well, what do I need? What questions do I need to be asking when I meet with each team member and all these things? Mm -hmm. But I think you tapped into something deeper beyond that, that affects all of those things, um, which is the vision of the business. And are yeah. you committed to that vision? And what does it look like for you to bring that vision in? Because since you're the owner, you're really the, the one that has the clearest picture on it. Absolutely. It's going to lead the ship and go, okay, like we're going this way. Here's yep. why. And let's move forward. And so you're that driving force. Um, sure. And I know that you mentioned to me like, okay, hiring to buy back your time. And I always thought about it when I was growing up, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to buy back my time so then I can go on more vacations or things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I thought. But I, I like how you reframed it in terms of you're buying back your time to redirect it towards furthering the company mission. Yeah, absolutely. Like we, we're just scraping the surface of like what we're going to be doing in the next three to four years. Yeah. But we need to get people in place where we need them right now in order to get there. And yeah. so I could view this of like, we just, uh, at the top of this month, we just hired someone. And so I could be like, okay, cool. You know, we got another team member on board. Uh, we're able to now, uh, kind of, I can step out now and I can go take long lunches. I could go do this. It's like, no, right. like I'm actually going to go back into the sales process with things. I'm going to be doing more interviews like this, right? I'm going to yeah. be doing these kinds of things because I know that, there's actually, in order to get where we want to get, we need to have another eight people on board to be there. Right. We need to have this result to be there. And so yeah. uh, th there's nothing wrong, I guess, if you want that kind of a lifestyle, like if you want that, but you just also have to understand that there's trade-offs with that as well. There's only so high that you can go 
with just you and a VA team or looking to do things the um, the leveraged way. There's right. you can there's really no limit if you're looking to do things the impactful, public facing, hard way. But mm -hmm. there is a cap where if you're just trying to figure out how do I make this easy on myself, there yeah. is going to be like a ceiling that is going to be on the growth of your business at some point in time. Hmm. That's super interesting um, because you think, oh, I could get to that point where I grow out of it and it could keep growing, but you yourself as the business owner could cause that that um, cap in your business. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's not thinking from the principle of the market, actually. It's mm -hmm. thinking from the principle of like optimizing you versus actually growing. And yeah. so like keeping growth and optimization in separate buckets of like, how can we actually drive towards the goal? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that goal could be to retire. That good that goal could be to exit. That goal right. could be to, you know, hire in a leadership team underneath you in three years and you know, peace out to the Caymans. Like right. whatever. That's that's totally cool too. But it's yeah. that expectation. And I see this a lot because it's sold a lot inside, especially the small business of um people in small businesses or who are solopreneurs who are sold this idea that somewhere out there there is the one secret. That will allow yeah. me to get all of the money with none of the work because there's automation and internet wizards and I just have right. to have the right landing page, right? Or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and, and that silver bullet just doesn't exist. And so I think there's so many more people out there who would be a lot happier, who would be a lot more successful if they didn't get sold that false narrative and they didn't get sold that idea that, you know, I need to be looking at ways to be efficient with my time, quote unquote, mm -hmm. you know, versus actually being effective with your time. Yeah. Because there are things that could drive your business that don't look very efficient, but are very effective. There are simple, mm -hmm. boring tasks that you could do each and every day that could add a ton of revenue <laughs> to what you're doing. Right. But if you're looking at, oh, well, this isn't the leveraged way or, oh, this isn't what I imagine myself doing when we have more team members or, you know, my hourly is valued at 500 an hour and I never dip below. Mm. Like there's going to be some activities that you don't immediately see the connection of how that actually will be a $500 an hour activity for you to do, how that actually is going to get you to seven to nine more team members, whatever that goal is for you. Um, without, you're just not going to be able to arrive there because what you're thinking about is how do I make this easy for me? How do I make this easy for me? How do I make this easy for me? Right. Right. So how do you know when it's time to shift and go, okay, this is a task that I no longer need to be doing, or I need to shift directions with, let's say I chose this branding and I, I need to yeah. shift directions. How do you know when it's time to shift versus I need to just lean in because I'm having some resistance. So yeah. how do you know the difference when it's, I got to keep going and lean in, even though there's some resistance or, okay, I actually do need a shift. You need a track. That's just what it is. Mm. Tracking numbers don't lie. Um, I, yeah. I had a little mini moment of this myself where I was kind of looking at our sales process and I was like, you know, uh, last like week I've been like, man, our sales process, I don't know what's going on. I've been uh, so busy trying to figure this thing out that I actually haven't been like going back through my daily sheets and logging things. And so yeah. I spent about 30 minutes logging things last night and I was like, oh, wow, I just need to like talk to more people. Yeah. That's it. I just, my level of activity in terms of, like, you know, following up with people and seeing where people are and inviting yeah. them to hop on a call with me. It's just low. It's not that the marketing's broken. It's not that the offer's broken. Not that I'm saying the wrong things. It's not that the branding is off. It's just like, literally, I'm just not talking to enough people every day.
It's like, oh, yeah. cool, sweet. But without tracking, and I didn't track this for the you know a couple of weeks at least, I would have never been able to know that. Yeah. And so being able to first find somebody who can help you set KPI, because mm-hmm. um, that's the other thing too that can kill you. Like, you know, uh, I was talking to someone who his outreach KPI was five times lower than mine. And he was wondering why he wasn't getting results. It's like, well, it's like I've been showing up every day doing what I was supposed to do. And I'm like, yeah, like no one told you that if you're going to the gym, you have to move beyond lifting just like the five pounds. Like you got to get to like, right. you know, the 25s and the 30s. And so like, imagine spending seven years of your life doing a workout routine or a diet routine that just doesn't work. So, right. but you're still showing up every day, right? You're still actually making it happen. Um, and so that to be said, finding someone who can help you set those KPIs right at the beginning of like, what could you actually expect in terms of your marketing? If you do any kind of like outreach or cold or dialing or appointment setting, what do those look like inside your business? What should your retention rates look like inside your business? And like getting just a little bit of coaching or whatever that looks like for you at the front end. So you're like, okay, cool. This is what my standard is. And then being able to track against that, that will actually be the thing that allows you to determine what's broken. And then when something breaks, you can just go in and say, okay, like which part of the process broke? Was it the part of, like we used to do this with ads all the time when we were running ads for coaches, we'd actually break down the entire ad campaign with every single section of anything from the headline on top of the video, all the way down to, you know, the sales page or the call page, whatever it might be. Uh, and you could know, okay, cool. We're breaking down actually on our landing page headline. Let's test that. Let's get like four more versions up today. Yeah. So it's back up to KPI. We're back at KPI. Funnel's making money again. We can kind of move forward. And so that to be said, establishing what those numbers are, tracking them, and then having the ability to kind of dive into what's actually going to be happening. Because there could be five different stories around one number change. Yeah. Uh, all of them could be true. None of them could be true. Right. right. And so it's going to come down at the end of the day to just looking at your metrics and looking at like what's going on, essentially, if that makes oh, sense. I love that. No, that makes so much sense. It's so incredibly logical um, and it gives such a foundation to when to know to shift versus when to not. Because For I sure. think people try to base it off a of feeling and yeah. that's a whole mess because feelings are fickle. They're going to go up and down. You know, someday you feel yeah. great. Someday you're like, I love my sales process. And I say, like, I hate this thing. Um, <laughs> and sure. so instead of trying to base it off of that, actually looking at the numbers. And I think that that benefits the business as a whole, because then your team sees you as somebody that's going, we're making logical decisions. What's best yep. for the business instead of what do I think is right? Or for wrong. sure. I had a sales coach tell me once. If you're on a if you're on a cold streak, if you just keep losing a sale, you you can't close a sale for weeks. And I ask you what's wrong with how you're selling, you're not going to tell me the actual problem. You're going to tell me the reason why you think you lost the last sale. Yeah. Because we have that recency bias. And mm-hmm. so so yeah, so getting to the numbers is absolutely absolutely crucial. Oh, I love that. Okay, well this has been so amazing. So my last question to you for today is going to be what can what is one action step that somebody who is just a solopreneur in their business take to really start to lay the foundation for a great brand, something that differentiates them in the market and creates a brand that's going to be beyond themselves. For sure, for sure. So in terms of let's just assume that the process of understanding like who you are and what you're actually bringing to the table is done. So you can establish your values and everything like that. The second thing I would look for is where does that intersect with a story that Mm -hmm. currently exists in your target customer's mind? 
And so one example for this, I'll use uh, MedSpa World because that's kind of an easy example. Most people who are selling Botox are trying to sell it like it's Botox. They're not trying to sell it like it's Sephora. Mm. Your customer is going in, getting their lips done, getting their Botox, getting their cheek filler, getting their lasers, are buying most times beauty. Right. But they're being sold like it's something else. So how right. can you bring around stories about beauty? Is that a trip to Paris? Is that, like we said, you know, the 1950s? Is that, um, you know, exotic travel, right? Is yeah. that eat, pray, love? What are those stories that are existing inside of the customer's mind? And so being able to actually pair those and bring those into the business, That's all so of cool. a sudden, you're not necessarily, you're not selling the same thing everyone else is selling. You're selling a feeling. You're yeah. selling a narrative. You're selling a story that people will opt themselves into. Again, they want to join your world. Right. Uh, and so thinking about, you know, what that looks like uh, and what is a way that you can then start telling that. Yeah. And once you have that kind of in place, again, the fonts, the colors, the logo, it's easy. It's easy to think of yeah. fonts that remind you of Paris versus fonts that remind you of cheek filler. Right? <laughs> right. So much easier. So, right. so being able to dial, you know, oh man, what photo do we use? Like, how about we use a photo of a woman in Paris and we put a sepia filter over top of it. And like, we literally did this for a client and we had a multi six figure sales event for them in six mm. weeks. And so, so that to be said, um, find what that story is that intersects with you. Again, it has to be congruent, but also is congruent to your target audience. And yeah. then just don't be afraid to lean in, yeah. lean into that. And that's where these culture movers that people are always talking about, you know, like the chubbies, uh, like the liquid deaths, that these are people who they're not afraid to go all in on their story and all in on their narrative. And the only real reason why they shock everybody is because they actually did it. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. So, so yeah. That's amazing. Oh um, man. Just fire. So I know that you have um, digital empire construction kit that you're willing to offer the audience. So can you, you do, tell me a little yes. bit about that? Yeah, um, absolutely. And yeah, everything that comes with that. For sure. So the digital empire construction kit this is one of my favorites. So this is actually three of our SOP bundles that we've put together or actually a bundle of our three SOPs is the better way to say it. Um, it. That, you know, think about your listeners, think about where you guys are at. You're likely in a social world, probably a Facebook driven world. Um, and so this yes. is actually how you get momentum really quickly on that. So inside of there, we actually have three different guides. One will show you how to actually build your Facebook profile. This is a huge KPI that's actually added close to 1800 leads to my profile in the last four months. And Ooh. so this is one of those things when I had someone tell me that he was doing a 10th or a fifth of what we were doing in terms of KPI, I, my heart sank for him because I wish we yeah. could have talked to him sooner. So right. that's going to take care of the Facebook profile. We also have one for growing a Facebook group as well inside of there, which is yeah, such amazing. a huge thing. And it's the missing point because a lot of times we think about in sales, like we, you know, we want to capture attention and go directly to having a sale without realizing there's an entire nurture process that's kind of in the middle there. So yeah. growing that Facebook group and having that nurture channel is going to be what allows you to actually take someone from being in your ecosystem who's not quite ready to buy to making sure that they get warmed up enough in a month's time, two months' time, six months' time, could be two years' time, just depending yeah. on who they are and what you're doing. Uh, to where they actually do become a customer versus just yeah. seeing your stuff and then forgetting about you. Ooh. The last thing we have is we have our uh, media media company mindset installation guide. And Whoa, this one is really to think fancy. about, right? It's, it's fancy. Uh, it's one of my favorites. But this is more of that thinking of how do I project culture out into the world? 
Um, and it's sort of the, the next step. Once you get your Facebook kind of world dialed in, you're kind of looking for the next thing of, you know, how would I start thinking about YouTube or a podcast like this? How would I start thinking about actually pushing my worldview out there and attracting the right kinds of people? This is that kind of foundation for laying that empire. So being able to get your personal profile, get your group, and then start setting your sights on the horizon for a little bit more um, are like three critical steps that we guide all of our clients through. I do myself uh, and would be happy to offer all the listeners and all the viewers of this as well. Oh, amazing. Yes. We'll definitely link that in the description. Um, and then where can people go if they want to work with you more closely or if they want to be more a part of your world, where can they go to find you? Absolutely. So the best place to connect with me is a marketing for leaders, Facebook group point up there. Uh, you can visit that at skykstack.com slash group. And I'll take you right awesome. there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish up for today? Ah, this has been fun. Thank you, Elena. Awesome. Thank you. Let's go ahead and cue that outro clip. Thanks for listening to The Business Shift, where we chat about no-nonsense insights and strategies to help you transform your online business into a successful empire. If you or someone you know is an online business owner and are looking to increase the retention and ascension of their programs and outsource their fulfillment, I would love to connect. You can connect with us at yourclientsuccess.com. Until next time, keep shifting your business towards success.